0: What? Yeah. No, I'm...
1: Yeah, I'm behaving myself. No, I'm not playing in abandoned buildings. What? Again? Now. I suppose you had those people follow me again. Fine. Hey, this is Jimmy Farrow from Monty and the Farrow, and I want to thank all our subscribers. We have now passed 14,000 on our YouTube channel. But I want to ask our subscribers to take the next step for us and become a full-fledged member of Monty and the Pharaoh. Yeah, that's right, folks. There's three different levels to choose from. There's free shirts. There's free autographs. Just check it out and become a member of Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty and the Pharaoh. Later.
2: Welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty Nafarro, seen only here out of Indie Music TV. Jared at the board on a Friday night. Hello, how are we doing? How, what does a young guy like you want to do on a Friday night at nine o'clock? Not, you, not, a not producing show? a wrestling show. I, <laughs> bet, I was just right? going
3: to say nowhere else <laughs> I'd rather be. <laughs>
1: nowhere nowhere else he'd rather be. There you go. Oh wow, that's, the well, that's, thats pretty
2: amazing. The youth I think you won him over.
1: I did. Yeah. I, I heard he likes you. He's also a huge I fan of our guests, too. So, you know. That's good job, Jared. Good job. All right. Well, we it's want to get to our special
2: time. guest because this is, again, an okay. iconic moment. But I want to cover a few things before oh, we get to it. Why
1: them? do I always get worried when you FBI do FBI
2: reportedly found uh, top secret documents at right. Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago Resort. Washington Post broke the story last night that documents pertaining to nuclear weapons were among those the
1: FBI investigators found. What do you think? Did he use them? Did he use any nuclear weapons, uh, President Trump? My question is Who cares? When, when is it gonna, when is this? When's it going to stop? It's never gonna stop. Are you when he's dead and buried, they're gonna investigate his coffin. When's he gonna announce his presidency for two thousand? Any day now. I don't know. I would assume soon. I hope soon, right? Dude, do you and then really want, wait a minute? Do you really want that all over again yes, with the anarchy? Yes, I do. Wow. Okay. Why you want these gas prices? No, I don't, and I you don't want to pay. Food no, no, I do not. No. There you go. All right. All right. Let me know when he uh, decides. On a lighter
2: it. note, Anne Hesh suffered severe brain injury and is Ugh. not expected to survive.
3: Oh my god!
2: Bad, bad, bad. Um, Anne Hesh's
1: ref told People
2: Magazine in a statement that the actress suffered major brain injuries
1: and Catastrophic. will
2: not well survive.
1: Well, I did see the video of, I think there was a house right before she smashed that showed how fast she was going. And I'm like, wow. Holy she was crazy, dude. Whole, did you watch that whole thing? Uh, no, I did she, not. I supposedly did not. she
2: was on a podcast. Got that got not this one. And was drinking, <laughs> okay. and then it got out
1: of control. Wow. And this is how this whole. That, dude, it's its terribly tragic, but my Lord, what what was she doing? We're going to we're gonna have to ask wow. Greg about that. Yeah that's just he was going like to the a right is the star show. of the
2: show Mr. Jimmy Farrow Jimmy along with his partner Bart Griggs make up the band Wisteria Hall Wisteria Hall sings such great songs as in my dreams this life not far behind you can get Wisteria Hall's music on the Wisteria Hall YouTube page hit like and subscribe Spotify Apple Music and Reverb Nation if you didn't know it you are watching Long Island's number 1 pro wrestler and broadcast Monty and Farrow where over 2 million views have been seen of this show Catch us on the Monty Neffaro YouTube page the Monty and Monty Facebook Live page here. on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor, Twitch TV, and if you're lucky enough to live in New York, catch us on Channel One Fifteen every Tuesday at nine thirty and Saturday at eleven thirty. Where we go head to head with Saturday Night Live, where we're seen weekly by over a hundred thousand viewers, and also Channel Twenty a Tuesday at one a.m. So I get through the shtick because we want to get to probably one of the most iconic pro wrestlers in the history of pro wrestling, Mr. Greg Valentine. We will see you
1: in a second.
2: You need a body shop? You need engine repair? Auto Excellence. Collision Specialist. 631-261-6420. That's 631-261-6420. Auto
1: Excellence. And APB, American Protection Bureau, voted number one best on Long Island for all your security needs. Call 631-390-9050. That's 631-390-9050. A-P-B.
0: b-e-n-b-u-i-e 34 at gmail.com when you need a home you need the Rockstar
1: realtor tell him wolfie sent you benji is a member of exit realty's garden gate team in gallatin tennessee all right welcome back to long island's number one pro
2: wrestle broadcast montana Fowler, where we welcome greg the hammer valentine <laughs> Sir, we have to thank you. You you gave us our start. You were our first real guest on our show when we first started off in that much smaller studio.
3: Really? I didn't know that.
2: Yes. Yep. yep, and, uh, yep. and we had Mexico.
3: Well, I, I dressed up for the occasion. I know. You're looking good. You got the jacket
2: on. You got the sunglasses First time,
3: on. I, I looked like I just got off the beach in Florida <laughs> with shorts and everything.
2: So, what do you think about this whole thing with Trump?
3: Oh, so I'm a... I love Trump, and... Uh, you know i've never voted before i never i didn't want to stand in line and vote you know and i wasn't in the politics but i voted for trump whenever the election that he's that they stole 2020 was it? Mm-hmm. i stood in line and actually stood in line for two hours to vote and my wife julie and uh so it really affected me when they stole the election and, and i know they did oh. and um in Nevada I know they stole it in Nevada but uh, it was so close it was nip and tuck all the way in Nevada so many places Arizona they finally finally found out. You know, they found all the votes for Arizona so he won Arizona and you know he won Pennsylvania and Georgia. he won it all
1: mm mm-hmm.
3: mm mm-hmm. yeah so the I, the, ma- the mail
1: in thing kind of it's true.
3: what it's, you know I'm really I'm really into into politics now and I you know I'm older now and I'm really Really into and it all started with Trump becoming the president. Interesting. And so I really follow everything, and I, I see what the Democrats are trying to ruin the country. Not trying, they are ruining it right now. Or to argue the gas prices and yep. the food shortages, and mm-hmm. you just keep saying, and you've got Joe Biden that's got no, no friggin' brain. You know, I I hate it. You know.
1: Any personal uh, memories of coming across Donald Trump, perhaps?
3: Yeah. um... Actually, remember we went to the Trump Plaza. There we go. And uh, this is the first time now. You know, I couldn't stand Donald Trump because of that show. You're fired. You know? <laughs> I hated yeah. him, and I I was also jealous because he had all that money. Uh-huh. And now him and him and Vincent Mann are rubbing elbows and are running Trump Plaza. And I went over there and shook his hand and walked away and. He came up to me, when I was just standing there, kind of looking at him, and he came up to me and he goes, "I just want to say you're one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen." Smart said, guy. Well, thank you. Yeah. And yeah. Not just because he said that, but it, you know, I was, yeah you know, he's really a good guy, and there you go. I love him. I love him.
2: You just mentioned Vince McMahon. Uh, you obviously, you probably know about all the allegations and the payments and things like that. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that whole situation?
3: Oh, God. I, I feel, you know, it's just a, any kind of thing like that is is such a bad situation to be in. And uh, uh, I, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know what to think about it. I really don't. I don't know what to think about it. And... Well, you had there.
2: you had a close relationship with Vince at some yeah, point in your yeah, career. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, you was always... he was he that pregausious? Is that
1: a good word to use? Flirtatious? Uh, Did you ever see any signs so... that you know the guy was making out yeah. like a rock star?
3: Yeah, um, no, he was pretty coy about doing that. You okay. know, uh, I knew him really well back before his dad passed away, and then Vince took over, and then once Vince took over and he had to do this he separated himself from the boys but you we used to ride together and laugh and we were we were friends so uh you know it's just I don't know what to say about it I don't want to say anything really I just feel bad that that I feel bad for him I guess I feel bad for the girl too you know it's it's hard it's hard to say
1: you feel the company's in good hands, though, now with uh, Stephanie and Triple H. You feel confident in the future of the WWE?
3: Yeah, yeah. They, I think they're fine. Stephanie's smart. She's a chip off the old block, and Linda McMahon's gonna. She'll be in there, and and I can see Vince. You know. He's gonna be back there in the back, still pulling the reins.
1: So you still think Vince is about, is around somehow? Yeah,
3: he'd be like, uh he be like Obama helping Joe Biden now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh my
2: god. Wow. Yeah. How, how, how does that make you feel though? <laughs> that you're one of the pillars that created, like I could, I don't think anyone could imagine it would become this billion dollar corporation that it is now, but you are one of the major pillars that built this organization. How does that make you feel?
3: Yeah, so I came in here in 1979 and before all that WrestleMania stuff. And it was great then. They were doing great business then, and they were starting to go to the West Coast and everywhere. And Vince was buying TV everywhere. And so I was at the beginning of that before WrestleMania 1. And when that came out, you know, then bang, you know. Um, But I was... I knew what was going on in the office a lot and George Scott who gave me my first break in Charlotte came up and actually became the booker also right around the same time. He's the one that actually set me up in nineteen seventy nine. He, he brought me in and I'm in Charlotte. And I'm Flair's partner. I'm doing great. And he goes around sending to New York. I, New York, I don't wanna leave here any. and New York was scary to me but You know, it was really good. And Vince McMahon Sr. was such a class act. And uh, he grabbed me and he says, we're going to give you a hold. It's called a figure four leg lock. I didn't know what the hell it was. And uh, and this is Sr. I'm talking about. And he had me breaking everybody's leg. And, I mean, talking about he knew how to get somebody in the, for lack of better word, over or famous over in, in wrestling jargon is mean you're over. You know, you can draw money now. Everybody believes in you, figure four, and he knew how to do that. So
1: Strange question. The move, as you just revealed, was, you know, basically given to you with the idea coming through Vince Senior, right? Right. Does the move... Go with you to the next territory without saying, "Hey, Vince, is it? I'm still going to use this. It seems to be really
3: good." Did you have to? Is there any? Well, like- you no, know, you know, because back then there was, they didn't care. You know, he says, "I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you back to Charlotte or wherever you want to go, mm-hmm. and then I want you back in a year." Mm-hmm. You know, that's what he told me. So that made me feel good. So when I went to Charlotte, I I never used. I used the backward suplex. And I used. The elbow. The brain buster, the elbow. Yeah. And uh, I started using the figure four down there, and they said, hey, wait a minute, Rick Flair uses that figure four. So for a while, I didn't use it. And then George Cock, or uh, what's George? Yeah, George was a booker still then. He said, go ahead and use that figure four. Flair's the world champion. He's going, you know, he's not even around here. So, yeah, so I kept it. It became my signature hole no matter where I went.
2: How were your emotions? So you're in New York. You're making pretty solid money, I'm I'm assuming. And now it's like, okay, time to go. We'll call you back in a year. Are you like, shit, I'm going to lose all this money going to Charlotte? you Are like, oh, Charlotte's hot too. I'm going to make crazy money down there. No,
3: because I had just left. I was making really, I was doing really, really good on the NWA, Charlotte. And I didn't want to leave and come to New York. They brought me into New York because New York, they weren't drawing shit up here. What they needed was guys that could wrestle. I don't know. I'm not going to knock the guys that they had here, but they were poking fingers in the eye, and they were, they were ball shots. I mean, all the shortcuts in wrestling, not making it look real, not making it look like a contest. And so Senior knew he had to change something. So I think the guy that came in before me, Kim Patera, was what they were looking for wrestling-wise. Then I came in with a wrestling hold, did the hour Broadway with Backlund right away. People would come up to me and say they'd never seen anything like that—two guys wrestling for an hour long, you know, to a finish. Nobody, nobody won, but uh, they'd never seen that in New York. So he was building. Senior was building, trying to get it back to real, real uh, reality, realistic wrestling. Uh, something a, a fan could bite their teeth in and say, I know that's not fake. That's got to be real. Look at that. And back then, you know, me and Tito used to hit each other hard. I mean, uh, you know, it's just certain guys that didn't want to work with me because I hit them hard, but I I didn't hit them in the face. I wanted everything, everything to be uh, believable. I grew up watching Johnny Valentine, my dad, who was the stiffest son of a bitch ever. Uh, but he made the people believe you're not trying to convince your opponent it's for real right but you want you want everybody to believe it and that's the way I got over and that's the way I got over here and the people still talk about the 80s and the 90s or whatever because and the 70s because you know it was uh, it was competition it looked like the real thing the only you know uh, we knew a lot of. You know, I didn't plan my matches. I went out. I didn't want to talk about my matches. I went out. I knew what the ending was going to be. Whether I was going to lose or, or uh, I, I was going over. I like to just play it by ear. And, and I'm. I've been work when I first came in here. I've been working ten years. So if you don't know how to work by ten years, you should go find another another job. Mm. And and it was all feeling. And that's the only way to make. The people believe it's for real, is if you're just going off the cuff and making it. And I, it's got to be your opponent, too. Backlund was, Backlund was a little hard at first, but after he got tired, he was easy to work with. Tito was a dream when they stuck me with him. Um, and any of the other guys I worked with, it was... It was do you do you uh, consider Jay that... Strongbow? I could have fantastic matches with mm-hmm.
2: him. Mm-hmm. Do you consider the Tito feud the greatest? Your greatest feud ever?
3: Uh It was the longest one. I, I would put it. Yeah, I would have to say. Yes. they about two years. That program. It oh. would It lasted actually for three years. Three years yeah Jeez. so he he's he wow. such a beautiful guy he, he
2: tells me. a story though that you purposely destroyed the belt so he couldn't have it and it, it was a shoot is that is that accurate and by the way, the belt's here we found it in Tito's garbage but yeah well, took he it.
3: might so we took uh, it. Uh, that looks
2: like it yeah we we repaired it too they might
3: they might have told him that but uh <laughs> uh they came up to me and told me to destroy the belt after i lose after I lose the match and so I destroyed it, and they said they're gonna they're gonna get him a, a new title, right? And it was a good it was a good thing for me because I lost the belt, so now I'm ha- I'm like a baby throwing a temper tantrum and beat the <laughs> hell out of it. And then I leave, and then Tito sold it beautifully. He came in and he grabbed it, and he looked at it and he held it like it was a little baby, you know, and like he's crying and he's oh, you know, it was beautiful. It
2: you know? was. Now, did you, was, did you ask him for the belt afterwards to take it home? Like who ended up with that I destroyed should've. belt?
3: He put it in his bag and left with it and and I, I I think they knew he was gonna get a new belt, but that belt, you know, that'd be so great to have.
2: Man, those old school belts were yeah, like
3: I should have kept it.
1: Oh my know. god. Any thoughts on Ric Flair's recent last last match?
3: Yeah. My well I didn't watch it and it kept popping up I get YouTube everywhere in my house it pops up on my cable my big screen and I I never did really I I I started to watch it I saw Jeff Jarrett look pretty good Rick had his shirt on I go ah, I ain't gonna watch it He's got his mm. shirt on mm. you know and I hate that if you if you're sold so you can't wrestle and you got to wear a, a shirt that ah, you know and I heard he got tired. I, I just didn't want to watch it. Now you want to have a good match? Put me against Flair, and I challenge him right now. Don't wear the T-shirt. I won't wear one. Let's go out there and fucking nail each other.
2: That would be. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah.
3: I challenge him right now. now well,
2: you... Let me let me ask you this: Were you a greater? But we were talking about last last night's show, the greatest of all time. It was Hulk Hogan's birthday yesterday, and was it really? Yes. Okay. Would you consider yourself better than Ric Flair as one of the all time greats?
3: I'm better than Hogan and Flair. Nice. Yeah.
1: Tell us why. Why do you feel that way?
3: Well, Ric Flair's matches were all the same, and I I used to put thoughts into into my matches and and tried to mix it up, you know. And sometimes we get repeat. There's only so many different things you can do, but you know how many times you're gonna watch him go hit the rope and turn around, jump, go over the top, run down, come on, drop the elbow. How many times you can see it? That's every friggin' match he has. I like Rick, but I mean I'm just telling I'm shooting from the hip. Yeah. I'm I'm saying his matches are all like mine. Uh, I couldn't take the bumps like Rick, but I don't think. Bumps are that realistic. Anyway, I tried to, to make my matches different, um, and uh, as far as Hogan, he just had the ultimate push. Nice guy, had great interviews, big friggin' arms. He was just right uh, for that for that time in the era. But uh, as far as work and realistic and drawing money, I su- I, I sold Madison Square. Garden out seventeen times, and I know that for a fact. And I think it's because of my believability. Um, And Hogan had the major push, and he had he got he had his own deal, made lots lots of money, and um, so yeah, I think I'm better. Well, well, let me ask
2: you about that. He got the major push, but could anyone, in your opinion, could anyone else have carried the WWE to? Because, you know, Hogan's the spark that created the WWE today. The WrestleMania. Obviously you, right, the opponents, things like that. Could anyone else have done that besides Hogan? Could McMahon have used somebody else?
3: Well, I could have been the world champion, but I wouldn't want to. Because I'm a heel, the bad guy, I wouldn't want to keep it. So he was perfect for that. But the reason I say I was better than him is I was just a better worker. Yeah. But I... We, me and Tito used to go out. I mean, they had three towns a night running in the 80s, in the 90s. And me and Tito could go main event in Detroit and go to Boston that same day and sell them out both, sell both Boston and Detroit out with just the intercontinental belt. We didn't need Hogan on the card. We didn't need anybody on the card. We could do it ourselves. I mean, you, you got to have an undercard, but... It, Hogan, uh, so, you know, that was a big feather in our cap for drawing. And, I, well, you know, I can't draw nothing by myself. I have to have a good opponent like Tito. He was he was fabulous. So
2: what you're trying to say is the other wrestle is probably happening, being on the B card with you guys, because yeah, the draw yeah, was the same know, as a Hogan card. So I
3: was a B card, but we still sold out, and we made money. And, and oh, listen, Greg and Tito over there, don't worry about it. We'll have Hogan go over here. And then I think there was even three, three uh, cards on the weekends, and they probably still – wrestling was just hot back then. But we could uh, – the Intercontinental Champion, could, I myself could sell out without Hogan on the card.
1: Key word being worker, you've mentioned it a couple of times. Who to Greg Valentine is the greatest worker in the history of pro wrestling? What's that? Who's the greatest worker in the history of pro wrestling to you?
3: Besides myself,
1: there you go. <laughs> well, we, we we got the obvious. I mean, who, who's who's uh, second
3: to well, you? No, there's guys with different styles, you know. And I guess like Stone Cold Steve Austin. You Interesting. Know, he he did a okay. phenomenal job and getting over, and and The Rock. Rock had a lot of charisma, but plus he knew how to work. I mean, there's a lot of other guys that uh, that could. Uh, that could work good you know that that's just off the top of my head man. right yeah What's your thoughts i don't on guys? watch this i don't watch the current product okay i can't really uh i don't want to say anything bad about it but i'm just past that i uh i watch wrestlemania and that's about it oh
2: i don't blame you yeah. uh eso creative one of the fans out there wants to know any memories on the P- uh poughkeepsie civic center
3: yeah, it was really hot down in the basement, <laughs> but we used to do all of our television after we left Allentown. We went to Poughkeepsie. Allentown was better, and so was even Hamburg. But he wanted to go to Poughkeepsie, and and we'd be in that hot dressing room in the basement. But it was kind of you know at least they had air up there. They, my thoughts were that was a good time. That's where, that's where. Uh, me and Brutus got beat by the Bulldogs. See, they didn't have anybody for us to wrestle, and we were the champs, right? So, because Barry Windham and walked out, it was mainly Wyndham that walked out, and Rotundo had no place to, to go, so he followed him. Came back with Dan Spivey, that didn't work. So they're looking out. Here's the British Bulldogs, they're underneath. So we went out there, put them over on national TV, with Captain Lou Albano, my ex-manager, and it made them. They beat us in a non-title match, and that's what, how I remember Pough Gipsy, because of that. And we went over and sold. Speaking of selling out by ourselves, without Hogan, Beefcake and Valentine could go anywhere against the Bulldogs, and no tag team had done this. And you know, Tag teams were just a supporting card, right? Maybe mm-hmm. underneath say, Hogan or whoever in the main event, we were the real main event and went everywhere and sold out against those Bulldogs.
2: In New York, that match closed out WrestleMania too. Right. Very upsetting, by the way. Very, right. Very upset about it. I that was upset
3: about it, too. And we were supposed to get the belts back. But it didn't happen, you know. Why not? Was Dyna? Was, was dynamite? I remember going to the office and complaining when are we <laughs> yeah. getting the belts back? Yeah. And Vince goes, Oh, we're gonna do a round robin. Oh, by the way, round I robin. got a check here for uh, hundred and twenty five thousand dollars made out to you, your first uh doll check, your action figure check. So I'm looking at that and then I uh I, I I the who cares there? about the belts on the done. belts. Yeah, I got this, yeah. I'm gonna go buy me a new car <laughs> was,
2: <laughs> was dynamite kid uh, as much as a prick as everybody says he was or not to me but he, yeah he was ex- a prick well, yeah.
1: i wouldn't expect him to beat to you he so you, were you know.
2: there with that whole thing with the Rougeaus? like what do you know about that whole situation
3: okay so here i was in miami and and uh, i think uh, i don't we weren't working with the bulldogs there that night i think it was like it was some big big deal like a royal rumble out of miami and uh or maybe it wasn't, but anyway, I, I'll tell you what happened in the dressing room. Uh, Rugel's sitting there unleasing, unlacing un- his shoes, and the little guy, uh, Matt Davy boy, the dynamite, dynamite comes dynamite. in. I'm sitting right there next to Rugel. He comes in and he slaps Jock twice right across the face. You piece of shit! You fucked up the whole match. You son of a bitch, get up and fight right now. And Jock Jock just sat there like this, you know. And I probably would have done the same thing. Like, wait a minute, let me get, you know. If someone hit me like that, I would have hit him back. But, I mean, he was, like, stunned. And I'm watching this, I go, what the fuck, you know. And so about a month later, or maybe it wasn't that long. Maybe it's two weeks later when we're doing a TV somewhere. And we're in the lunchroom, and we're all coming out. And I'm one of the last guys in there. And all of a sudden, I hear this, bam! And Rougeau was waiting for a dynamite kid to come out and punched him. And everybody said he had a, a bunch of coins in his hands or something to make his fists real hard. Punched him in the face and knocked about four teeth on his throat and took off and left. Now, about a week later, I'm flying over to Europe, and and they're going with me. I didn't think Dynamite was going to come. And he's just smiling, and he had three teeth missing. And that was bad. That was bad shit. But I, I don't know if Russo, uh, I know he said, you know, he attacked him, and, and waiting around the corner, because he had been embarrassed. I don't know if he had a roll of quarters there, but, he gave him a hell of a shot and knocked three teeth out.
2: Is Ben Royals asking, why did you choose to wear the mask in the 1993 Survivor Series?
3: Because they asked me to come up to Survivor Series, and uh, they said, we want you to wear a mask. And I go, are oh, you paying me? I was thinking about the money, and... and uh, Who was it, Shawn Michaels? That I was.
2: Yeah, I think it was Shawn. Right, it was the Knights or whatever, right?
3: Yeah, whatever it was, and I didn't like the feeling of the whole thing, but I came for the payday, so don't worry about it.
1: You you mentioned you you know you were tight with Junior before he got the company from his father. Right. Was it was it stressful for you uh, your friendship with Junior as you know he became the big shot and took over and now you're not getting the
3: you know it was stressful because. He didn't say hi to anybody. He just walked on through, you know. And uh, you know, I used to be <laughs> captain. We used to have these big dinners after Allentown, and everybody would be invited. Not everybody, but I was there. Graham Wizard was there. Sergeant Slaughter was always there. Gorilla Monsoon was there, and a couple other guys, yeah. give or take a few. And we'd all have that big dinner, and Vince, Vince uh, Senior would be at the head of the table, and and uh, and Junior would be right here, you know. And Captain Lou, about halfway through, would get really fucking drunk. <laughs> and he'd start fucking laying it in on Vince Junior. I'll tell you what, you guys better watch out, because if anything happens to that old man, that fucking punk kid is going to take over, and if you fall down in front of him, he's going to walk right over the top of you. In other words, he hasn't got the heart that the old man, but mm. I don't want to say, that you know, he's still a chip off the old block. It's a different thing. Maybe Vince had to separate it, you know, because he was taken over, but he, he didn't have the heart that the old man had. Vince Sr. used to come up to me and he goes, you know, when I had to, remember the name Stan Stasia? Sure. Yeah. Sure. He of said course. he'd been here forever and I had to let him go and he goes... I couldn't do it. I couldn't fire the guy, but I finally had to do it. He's telling me this story out of the blue. And he was such a good guy. And, you know, maybe Vin, you know Vince is a chip off the old book. I'm sure he's he's got a good heart, too. But he would just have, he sent Pat Patterson out to tell you you're fired or something. But, yeah, so, um, but I know. How did Pat
2: handle all that, though? That had to be tough on Pat, too, right? What's up like, so let people you know, go. Being be the Pat mouthpiece. To be, the, for... be the
3: mouthpiece all the time. Was that difficult uh, for that Pat? That can't be easy. Uh, yeah, okay, so, but I think in later years, they just send you a letter and say you're fired.
2: Just give you the old FedEx. <laughs> on your wedding day. Yeah, on your wedding day. Yeah, like CM Punk. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. We all know that AEW's coming around, and, you know, again... You against Roddy Piper, dog collar match. Everybody knows that. And from being in, up here, right. you know, we would read it through the you know PWI. the magazines, all that right. stuff. We're yep. Like, holy After. cow, look at this! But I, I'm just asking you your honest opinion. I'm sitting there watching you, and they're announcing this match, and you're sitting in the all chair. You're kind of waving to the crowd. Yeah, right. and I'm thinking to myself, does he really like? Do you really want to see them try to replicate? the iconic match like you think that. They, they, what was going
3: through your head? They,
2: are... Did they do you justice in okay, your Okay,
3: so I'm watching it and trying to analyze it. And I know they keep having the the cameras hitting me and you know, all and stuff. And, and I'm trying to sell it You know, while I'm watching it. I thought they did an admiral job. Is that a good word? <laughs> mm-hmm. But you can't duplicate what me and Piper did. Come on, you can't do that. I don't know. Did they bleed or anything? I can't even remember. But... I don't think the chain was a big, heavy chain like we had. Mm. Uh, But I was there, and I thought they did a good job. And it's a shame that guy died not too long. Brody Lee Mm -hmm. after Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Um, And Cody Rhodes, uh, you know, he's a chip off the old block too. So I thought it was, you know, I would give it a B+. But as far as compared to me and Piper, no.
2: Was that your greatest match of all time in your mind, or is there something else?
3: Actually, the matches that me and Piper had leading up to that in different spots around the Carolinas, you can catch them on YouTube every now and then. I thought they were better. I mean, they were some jam-up, jelly-type matches, but when you got a chain in there, it's hard to work with that thing. But I think we did a great job with it. Uh, I guess as far as brutality and iconicness, that would be the greatest match that either one of us have been in Mm. other than him being on top in WrestleMania one. And then, and I, and there's, I think me and me and Brutus had some fantastic matches against the Bulldogs, but not WrestleMania two, maybe some Saturday night's main events and, uh, yeah, so... It's
2: funny you brought that up. I was just thinking about that because I thought you guys were going to win the belts back that night because I think you yeah. t- was it was a two out of three falls, and you Correct. took the first fall. I'm yeah. like, oh, thank God they're going to win the belt back. But, yeah, yeah. So back to Piper real quick. Um, you know, today's wrestler, you, you're you a huge guy. You are a wrestler. Today's wrestler, 150 pounds, 160 pounds, whatever the case is.
1: Now I'm a huge guy. Now, Piper, this is a problem.
2: Now Piper wasn't a really big guy, I'm assuming, no. right? Please. How was Piper no. able to... Present himself Sweet, that you man. felt he could take on Andre the Giant and beat Andre the Giant.
1: What was it about Piper? He was believable. Why?
3: Well, yeah, because he, <laughs> you know, learning how to work, you learn that when you get in the ring, you. Because I wasn't the biggest guy either. You just learn how to project yourself, and and Piper had that, you know, that sneer and that look and believability, and and he was a Golden Glove boxer, so he was really a tough guy. But he was only about 200, 225, 230 pounds soaking wet, maybe 235. You know, he pumped up. But he wasn't a big guy, but he had good-looking punches because of the Golden Glove. He he came up the hard way. He came up in L.A. like I did, and he came up the Mid-Atlantic. The Mid-Atlantic, he really got his shit together and learned how to mix his boxing with his wrestling. I always kind of like tried to mix my do the rope a dope thing like Muhammad Ali and tr- tried to mix boxing with wrestling. Cause it, get, it gets, you know, you take the shots and just wrestling period is boring after a while laying down a hold, but you get the guy down in the hold, make the people come back. Then you go back to fists of cups again, you know? So I think Piper was, you know, was, was a great worker.
1: You've had some really awesome tag team partners over the years, but can I ask you a little bit about what I sometimes I really I feel like on paper? This might be the greatest team of all time, and it seemed to be like a like a rocket ship. It just passed by Ric Flair and Greg Valentine. Memories of that, that very special tag team in my mind.
3: The only thing that I didn't like about being Flair's partner is sometimes he would forget I'm on the corner waiting to be tagged in. Really? Okay. He would get into his match so much. Now, that's not a real knock. And then I I went to him. I said, man, you need to tag me in more often. And so we got to do that. But he was so used to being out there maybe by himself, he forget I'm over there. What makes a tag team good is the tagging in and out. So a lot of times we had some great matches, I think, you know, that could have been a dream team, too. Uh, but he went off on his own and became the world champion, and I came up here to New York. Um, so I would have to say Beefcake was my best part. I agree. I you agree love, with you. You love them. There you go. And right. number one, because you got to have a captain, and mm-hmm. I was the captain, mm-hmm. and Beefcake was, uh, he followed right along, but he learned so good. He looked so good. We both didn't have blonde hair. He had his own look, and I yep. had my own look. Mm-hmm. Right. So and so the dream team, uh, that was actually my name for it, and I think there was another dream team basketball or something. Right. Earlier Olympics, but I think we might have been the original dream team, and that was I'm the one that thought that up, and they liked it, so they went with Should've it.
1: Should have trademarked
2: that.
3: Yeah. What's Loved going it. on here? Yeah.
2: All right, so you, you wrestle Backlund, our Broadway's, whatever else. What is the transition for Greg Valentine after he finally falls to Backlund? He didn't now... fall. He
3: won the belt.
2: Okay. well, no. yeah. He second, won the second belt.
3: The time I came up, October 19th. Yes. We did the double pin. Yeah. Right. So I was world uh, champion. I'm always were... going to say this, dude. Did I... you
2: actually defend that at one point? Did you? I think no. in the
3: Capitol Center, no? No. But there's pictures with you I took, holding it. I grabbed that belt and took a lot of pictures because I knew there. Gonna come and take it away from <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I was so they pissed. They held the belt out for about six weeks until Ugh. we came back in New York. They in helped. New York, right? Right. right. That was uh, so. After the hour-long Broadway, and then my first time, seventy-nine and eighty up here. My first run with Backlund, and then I broke Strongbow's leg, and actually did more money with Strongbow. I did with Backlund. Thank you for wow. breaking his leg, yeah. by the way. Uh, Thank yeah. you. And and he was beautiful. And that was his, all, all his idea. They weren't going to do nice. that. He went nice. to the fence. Let Greg break my leg. So go. I made a lot of money with Chief. So the second round, I came back up here. I think it was 82. And I did, uh, uh, worked with Backlund again. And we did that double pin. So then they held the belt up in Madison Square Garden. And so then we came back, and then, then I lost to him. But then I did the angle with Pedro Morales, where I suplexed him on a cement floor, and he sold it like a champ, and I hurt the hell out of my arm, and did gangbusters with Pedro Morales. I thought, maybe they're going to give me the belt with Pedro, but they never did. So I ended up going back to the Carolinas, but I'm glad I did. So I went back there and broke Wahoo's leg and you an Indians didn't use the didn't use figure four on Wahoo because I couldn't get it on. I tried to put it on the dressing room. Oh, his legs he with had those tech. big legs yeah. for playing for the New York Jets and the Dolphins, he was a football <laughs> yeah. player. Yeah. I couldn't get it on, so I just did this thing where I hooked his leg on the ankle and, and just fell back. Mm. And he sold it like a champ, and I broke Wahoo's leg. We started, made a ton of money with Wahoo. And, and I'm going to give it. I'm a tough, I feel like I'm a tough guy now But I'm old. I'm old now. But he made me, in my heyday, he made me tough. I wasn't tough till I worked with Wahoo. Mm. He beat the crap out of me, hit me in the face, fucked me up so bad. Finally, I just got mad one day. And I found out, well, I'm a little tougher than I thought I was. I fucking hit him point blank in his face and he went down on his knees. And then he came up to my wife and I when we were in Bennegan's. Remember Bennegan's? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Charlotte later that night. And he goes, I just want to tell you, your husband's one hell of a man. He walked off. That's <laughs> and, and from that from that day on, I thought, well, I am a little bit tough. Only because wow. he man. beat me tough. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. 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 yeah, it does. I
3: wouldn't fight back before that. You know, I, I'd fight. I'd fuck it.
1: I, I have to ask you because when you got your shot with backlund the second time around in 82 right. and then you fought with pedro right. you were the center of my wrestling universe you were my first real favorite wrestler and thank you've me. remained my favorite heel 40 years later thank you so i need i need to know did you did you make any kind of like case for yourself behind the scenes like when you were Close to beating Backlund, but didn't. Then they put you with Pedro. Maybe they'll give me this belt. You're close again. Did right. you argue with them at all behind the scenes and try to make more of a pitch for yourself? Because this kid in East Northport was going crazy, going, how is he not have a belt? What a nerd I am. I mm. need to know. Did you did you fight for your, on your own behalf to try to like get these oh, belts around? Okay,
3: here's one thing where I'll put Flair over what I do. Flair got into the office, Oof. and he pissed himself. I... Should have done that, but I didn't. I hated going to the office. The only time I can remember going to the office is when me and Beefcake went and bits about getting our tag belts back. That's the only time I can remember. I didn't go to the office enough. When I was in Crockett Promotions and Charlotte, I did go to the office more often. Flair was there all the time. Maybe that's why he was 17 times world champion. <laughs> So I didn't do enough politicking.
1: So that Fla- was my fault. Flair and Hogan, very similar that way with the behind-the-scenes ability yeah, to – Yeah, they, okay.
3: they got Vince's
1: – Dusty here. Rhodes. Yeah. Okay.
2: So Tony Alice is a good friend of the show, and Tony right. was telling me one dime over dinner that – I don't know how true this is – that Vince sent you after him in a real match and told you to shoot on him. Is that a true story?
3: Tony said that? He
1: said that, yeah. Tony might have had a few, but that's okay.
2: What yeah, do you think? No, oh Christ! He said
3: he sense. said like <laughs> yeah. you literally
1: like beat the shit out of Ooh, him or something really, during man. a match.
3: Oh. Uh oh. Okay, was that when he was Saba symbol? Yes, yes. <laughs> and Vince wanted
2: to get rid of the character and they sent you out to finish the job.
3: No. You know what, though, that's not true. Uh that's not true. But I did get mad at Tony in the ring because <laughs> I said, what the fuck kind of gimmick is that? And he wasn't selling nothing for me. <laughs> and so I just started hitting him. Bam, bam. I was, just, I was pissed. Because this think match this- sucked. <laughs> and Saba I said, what the fuck am I even doing out here? And and I was half-assed baby-faced. And anyway, I was okay. making my turn. Okay. And I was in a bad mood. And, and Tony, you know, Tony could probably just knock me out anyway because he's Got those big fucking arms. And yeah. He's such a nice guy, but we were hitting each other really hard, and and I just got fed up with it. But the finish was a fucked up finish where. Uh, I think, oh yeah, I held him, and Jimmy got the guitar or something. I still had a guitar for some reason. Jimmy brought it out or something and went to went to hit Tony over the head with a guitar, but he hit me instead. So then. I did my baby face turn kind of then. Saw the symbol left, and then I'm like, "I'm going to hit you, Jimmy Hart," and the people popped on that. So that being said, I can see why Tony thought Vince told me to go. But you know what? I couldn't. I could never beat up Tony. Latt. Look at that fucking guy. How are you going to beat that up? That's like trying to beat up Mike Tyson. <laughs> you ain't getting it, rice, no? You know, and he still got the guns. It's ridiculous. but you know what? The match, I was so disgusted in the match that maybe I was throwing one too many potatoes, but he was throwing them back at me, you know, potato, you know. Yeah. oh, show. sure. So I could see why he might have thought that I was gunning for him. Craig, you I don't know, know. I would pick a lot smaller guy than that. I mm-hmm. know
2: nothing about nothing, but I, I yeah. was, I was totally surprised. I, I did not know that you were married to Medusa, Marcelo. No,
3: no, never. You... I wasn't married. Okay, we're... so wh- where did I hear that from? Man? I don't where know. Did... It's bullshit. She, uh, she was down. She, I guess she stayed with me about two years. Oh, so you, you, would, you, dating. you, know, you were dating then? Yeah, that was it. She, okay, she moved in with me, and then then she moved out. So, so.
2: Uh, again, how was like? She's a very A personality, at least from what I see on interviews. So, was she? T- was that hard? Like a hard relationship to what deal with? What do you mean with? by A personality? Like very like outgoing outspoken very intense you know, very i'm the boss type of person oh. it seemed like right it's like when you see her. in any interview well, you that's see that's
3: probably th- why we didn't get along
1: because <laughs>
2: okay <you>
3: know, <laughs> okay i was a quiet person and uh but
1: the tv dinners were on the wrong side of the fridge or something put yeah, them on the I, other uh, side i um uh, i don't
3: you? know how we got as you know i took her on a road and with me when we went to europe and different places like that so I guess around the wrestling business it was okay, but just having she was she she came into my house and and uh, it just didn't work out. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good fix, and I should have never done that. And uh, it actually pissed me off when I I think about it because uh, it, it was a bad scene. But thankfully, I I met the love of my wife, Julie, and I was with Julie before. Uh, medusa and then oh. me and julie got back together and okay. and got married and 26 years now we're we're still together so um so it just uh i it was a wild time of my life and no we that's that's why we didn't get along you know
1: any particular opponent you had in your career that was a high pro- profile? One of your legendary feuds, perhaps? Was anybody really hard to work with, or, or that you felt you had? Oh shit! I got to carry him. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, I was fortunate to to uh, to you know, usually be programmed with, uh, you know, like Ronnie Garvin was great, and uh, Piper was great, and Tito was great. Morocco. I worked with Morocco some.
1: How about JYD?
3: JYD only had two matches with him. He was hard to work with. Okay. But he was so over with the people. There's a lot of guys, you know, Steamboat had great matches with him. There's a lot of guys and my dad taught me, you know, there's some guys you just have to learn how to work around them. Especially if you're the champ. So you can just take your time and go out there and circle your opponent and then you know just basic like the ultimate warrior when i worked with him i would just he i would just let him run back and forth through he got tired himself out and then i'd work with him but i couldn't work my style with him there was a lot of guys like that you just had to work you had to fake it through and work work it out and eventually they'll come around to you you know
1: what percentage works for you and and being an old school wrestler with a with a famous father Watching WrestleMania become a thing that's now the Super Bowl, obviously Vince McMahon Jr. always felt entertainment is the, is the bigger factor in his presentation. What's the percentage for you that you feel is acceptable between wrestling and entertainment? Has it gone too far over the years, or is there, you know, how would you, how would you like to see it broken down? How much of a percentage would be wrestling, and how much would be entertainment, considering you, you saw both over all these years
3: Oh, that's a hard question. Uh, you know the WrestleManias do good all the time, and are, first of all, I think there's too much. There's there's too much wrestling on TV. Mm. Too much, you know. Mm. Yeah. And they got it. What's it on? Four nights a week. It's no, yeah, it's It's nonstop. It's, it yeah, really is three nonstop. Three hours one night. Three hours. Another no. night, and then they got the NXT, and then, then sure. you got AEWs on twice a week.
1: And then there's TNA and the rest of the I other think, little
3: ones. Yep. I think there's too much wrestling. Uh, people got to be hungry to watch it. I like it in the old days where you had Saturday Night's Made event when on NBC was a big thing once a once a month. You had TV in the daytime or whatever, uh, and you pushed the shows, or WOR, Midnight on saturday nights forever was here it's just too much wrestling and i think because of that they've run they run out of ideas to try to make everything look new and they go oh god you know i mean it's just too i don't know how they do it i don't know how they can keep up that's why it's it's lost its credibility because there's too much fucking wrestling you know what was your feeling like? Holy shit!
2: I'm on NBC. I can't like. Who would have ever thought I was going to be on NBC?
3: No, that was a great, that was a great feeling, being on NBC. You know, Saturday night's main event once a month. That was that was great, and we were we had some great. Me and Brutus, I remember being on there a lot. We had yeah. some great matches with the Bulldogs, and, and that's such that's such a good era, and everything. See back everything was so brand new and, and innovative and we're coming out with this and that nowadays what the hell are they going to give us for new you know what's going to be new it's like it's like the 60s and 70s music that was and even the 50s I'll go back to that far. that's that's the mainstay of music that's where it started now you listen to the shit nowadays What the hell are we listening to? I mean, they can't follow their own act. Mm. And so that's what's wrong with wrestling. They should just shut it down for six months. Shut it down like they do baseball and football. Just shut it down and bring it back. That's what I would do. Seasonal wrestling? Oh. Well, no, just shut it down to for shut six it down. months. Make, make, re- people, make people hungry for it. Make people starve. Yeah. Yeah. Starve for yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, is yeah. it going to come back on? And we would just. Yeah. We were just I can the that. other day. Yeah. I can
2: see that. You yeah. growing up, Channel yeah. Nine. Like, yeah. could not wait for Channel Nine yeah. at midnight. There were right? six
1: days in between to salivate. Yeah. So, yeah. Greg, tell me, tell yeah. me, the, tell That's me a what
2: little. Tell me a little bit about your father. Okay. You know, tell me what kind of man he was, and what kind of relationship you had with him.
3: Well, I'll tell you the truth. I never grew up with my father. I grew up with my grandparents and my, my mother and my dad, they broke up. So I lived with my mother, my dad, she didn't want him to wrestle. So he went out wrestling and eventually they got divorced. And, and then I live with my mother and, and my grandparents were right down the street and, and, uh, I eventually I would just run to my grandparents all the time, so she, she let me stay with her grandparents, and I had kind of a wild mother. I'm I'm sorry, uh, she was a nightclub singer and everything, and she would bring different guys home, and and it just didn't work out. So I I grew up. My grandparents actually adopted me, and I grew up in a small town, close to Seattle, Washington, and my mother um, my mother's not. She's not living right now, and God bless her. Um, But she went to L.A. and met a guy down there and had a nice life. And and uh, and I used to go visit her all the time. So, that being said, around when I was about 17 years old or something, uh, my aunt Virgie, she lived in Seattle, and she said, "Here, I want you." I'd never talked to my dad. I, he never I never even saw him, and I talked to him on the phone, and I was about seventeen, and he ended up flying me down to Dallas. He was a Texas heavyweight champion then, and I ended up staying on there four months with him on the road. What a wild time, and of course right away, I idolized him and i'm I'm about five foot ten, I'm not full grown yet, about hundred ninety pounds, but I'm pretty pretty stocky, and he took me on the the trips, and, and, uh, I think I finally said, I want to be a wrestler like you, and he goes, no, you're going to go back to Seattle, you're going to go to college, because I was just starting to go to college, I actually wanted to be a, so I was such a big music fan, I wanted to be a, in radio, a disc jockey, or something like that, I wanted to be, or a newsman, or anything, I was just, I was into radio, and, uh. So, he says, well, I'll tell you what. He says, I'll send you to Calgary. (laughs) And I'm thinking, he's going to send me to Stu Hart. It's 40 degrees below zero up there. And I'm going to, he sent me up there with no wrestling shoes. (laughs) And and I'm going to get discouraged and I won't want to wrestle. But uh, I learned really good up there with Stu and it was really, really hard. And... I got some horrible infection on, on my feet and I couldn't wrestle for about, I was laid up for two weeks. I had an infant tiger with the feet mm. and it was dirty mat. Mm. And I finally got me some shoes and I learned how to wrestle some and then I stayed in touch with my dad and I said, you got to get me out of here. I can't take it anymore. I'm making $50 a week and I'm staying at the Calgarian Hotel downtown calgary and they got three three channels on the tv and two of them are french i said i gotta get out of here help me please so he sent me to detroit eddie farhat Mm. detroit he was the original sheik so i went there and stayed at the sheik's house in the basement and he had his kid down there too i remember and he had a ring in the back and I'd already been wrestling in front of people, right? So he just put me on a road. I never taught, learned anything out there in that ring in the back, you know. Uh, I learned just going in there and winging it with hardly any preparation. Stu Hart didn't really teach me hardly anything. He taught me how to hook up and how to fall backwards, and that's it. You know, and how to throw, get a foot infection. Throw that sidearm yeah, yeah. punch, which I never use, mm-hmm. and grab a headlock, just the bare basics. He used to take all the other guys and take them down and wrench them and ring them and break their arm or something. He didn't do that because I'm Johnny Valentine's son. Thank you, Stu. He's another one that's passed away. But, you know, I remember Brett used to <laughs> sneak down and watch. But I... I really learned, I learned it from just going out there and doing it from scratch, Mm. just going out there not knowing what the hell I'm doing. But uh, along came a guy named Don Fargo. Don Fargo saw me and one of the Fargo brothers, but he was by himself then. He had the blonde hair. He did the strut like Buddy Rogers. And, and he asked a Sheik if I could, if I, he named me Johnny Fargo, and we went to Buffalo, New York together, and I learned really how to work from him in tag matches, and we went to Texas together, and back to Buffalo again, and then finally I went on a moon. So, my dad, uh, I never used the name Valentine until, until he went down in a plane crash, and, uh. So I became Greg Valentine, and so the rest is history there.
1: How long into it did it take your father to give you his blessing? Because, you know, on the surface, when a, when a fan, like such as us, hears that the first place you go is the dungeon, and the next place you go is the sheik, the original sheik, he must have been impressed that you survived these things. And At some point, did he say, okay, because at first you said he told you no. So
3: Yeah, so I think what changed his mind uh, so I didn't want to be a Fargo anymore. I says, can I just use the name Greg Valentine? And he says, yeah, but go as my brother, not my son. Because back in the day, you know, they're going to say, well, he's 40, 45 years old. He, he's too old. You know, everybody back in, back in that day, back then, you know, if you're over 50 or something, you were told to be a boxer or a wrestler, people thought. And, and I understood his feeling. So I went as his younger brother, Greg Valentine. But when he had the plane crash, then it was different. Then I, I became his son. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I got over as Greg Valentine, his brother, and went out to L.A. as Greg Valentine. And, uh, you know, so it all worked. But he had that horrible plane crash, crippled him from the waist down. and uh, But he managed to uh, live another 20 years. And he would never be in that wheelchair. He wanted to walk around with those crutches, those metal metal crutches. And uh, so, you know, God bless my dad. Mm. Your relationship
2: with Andre the Giant. How did you get along with Andre?
3: Wonderful. I loved Andre the Giant.
1: You feel fortunate that he loved you back? Because I've heard that if Andre didn't like somebody, oh boy.
3: Oh, so in 1975, I'm... I'm working for Mike LaBelle in LA and I got they sent me to Japan. I got on this big seven forty seven and and it's empty and I'm in the back and the stewardess comes to me, there's a couple she comes back to me in the back, says so there's a couple guys up in first class, they want you to come up there. So I go on this big seven forty seven and they had that spiral staircase that goes up to the uh first class on this big seven forty seven and there is Andre setting and they're playing Kribbies and Arnold's sculling. So I'm hanging out with them, and of course Arnold knew my dad, and Andre had worked with my dad, so they invited me up there. And I'm drinking cognac, and I don't know how to play cribbies, but I'm just glad to be up there. And I was shit-faced when I went through Japanese customs, but for the next three weeks, Arnold went back home early, so it was just me and the Giant for three weeks, Going out every night to oh. these Korean barbecues, I love the guy. There was a story I tell a lot where we're trying to get a cab, and and they see Andre how big he is, and they nobody will stop. So I says, "Hide behind there, Andre, and I'll I'll flag a cab down, and, and I'll as soon as the cab gets here, then you come around. So he come around, and the Japanese. Cab driver go, no, 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 no. And he'd get in the car to take <laughs> off. And Andre reached down and grabbed the cab and pulled it up, and the wheels are spinning <laughs> like anywhere. this. It's like something out of a cartoon. Wow. The guy gets <laughs> off and runs. So we finally got a panel truck. But well, a lot of, we got back to the Keel Plaza, a very nice hotel there too. So me and Andre became great friends ever since that. He used to, I would be in the front part of this bullet train, and he'd yell at me, and and I turn around, and he's way in the back, and all the Japanese people would look too. You know, they all look, you know, in unison, and Andre backs his big ass up against the aluminum back there, and lets this big giant fart boom. And they all turn and look like this, and they look like this, and they all start laughing. (laughs) Then he did another one. I had so much fun with Andre. That's unbelievable. I loved Andre.
2: So, Sims, come on in. Tell Uh, the fans where you're going to be. Sit right next to Greg if you don't mind. While he's getting settled, Greg, what were your thoughts on Adrian Adonis?
3: Oh, uh, that was a mental case there, too. I knew Adrian in Buffalo when I was working as Johnny Fargo, and uh, nice guy, and he he came up and he was a good, really a tough guy down deep, he knew how to wrestle, this Fred Atkins guy up in Buffalo there taught him how to work and taught him how to be tough, so, but he, he went goofy, you know, it was the drugs and that stupid gay gimmick he had, you know, He actually, we were friends, and one time he told me to get away from him. He said, what are you talking to me for? I said, well, fuck you, you know, so I won't talk to you anymore. It wasn't long after that where he went off the deep end, so,
2: yeah,
3: I don't think too much about him.
2: Understood. Eric, where are you going to be the rest of the weekend?
0: All right, so tomorrow from 9 to about 4 o'clock or so, we're in New York City, the Big Apple, it's the, uh, Big Apple uh, trading uh, card. It's the Big Apple Con tomorrow. At the Might
2: New want York. to learn the event. <laughs>
0: the, the, just just saying. It. Uh, it's the Big Apple trading card. Whatever, it's the Big Apple Con. The New Yorker Hotel. and uh, That's over by Madison Square Garden. And we're going to be there you know, over by the garden. 4. And then Fake. Sunday, we go up to Albany, New York, and we got Heroes Hideout Colony Center Mall. We'll be there from 11 to about 2 and Yo come come check us out over at Colony Center mall up near Albany Airport up there. so if you're up in that neck of the woods and you're listening to us, thank you so much and come come visit us. those are the two live and in-person appearances for Greg the Hammer Valentine and also you could catch him on uh, the virtuals Facebook live. he's going to be with uh, teamwork promotions uh, tomorrow night and Sunday night with Captain's Corner. so if you want Greg Valentine he's all over he's all over for this weekend with E S S. Craig, it's E-S. gotta make it's
2: gotta make you feel great that all these fans still adore you after all this time and recognize you being one of the greatest at your profession of all time.
3: Well, I think you know, a lot of that is because of even if they were too young to watch me back then, um, some of these younger guys that are watching the shit that's on T V now but they go back and look at the 80s, the 70s, 80s, 90s stuff, and they realize, oh wow, it's a whole new thing here to me. That it really looked good back then. So they're reading because of YouTube and because of everything else, and and the uh, Peacock Network replaying the WWE stuff. Uh, it gave me new life, and it's not like it, it's kind of like I'm still wrestling but i'm not i mean they're seeing the stuff that i did 20 years ago and they're appreciating it or maybe longer i don't know but it's good to be appreciated still
2: well we appreciate you and so do all the fans and thank you again for all you've done yeah we're going to hit you with something called the pharaoh's final question and we're going to get you out of here this is where okay. jimmy Farrow comes off script and he just oh. decides to ask you whatever is on the top of his head so
1: jimmy you got it Alrighty. all righty all right, Hammer, I'm going to ask you this as we're going to, we're going to make you a fan like, like you were before you ever started. What is the fan Greg Valentine's dream match? You got one match you can watch. Who's your dream match as a fan?
3: Oh, uh, okay. Could be
1: any time period. You can go back to Gorgeous would, George if you want.
3: It would be ba- it would be Johnny Valentine against Wahoo McDaniel. Mm. Oh, wow! Nice. I saw that in banger. Texas. They or Johnny Valentine against Prince Bonerick when he knocked Prince's teeth out. Those matches were so realistic, and they were like this far from not being realistic. Nice. Uh, oh my God! So Johnny Valentine against Wahoo, I would say that. Those two, it's perfect. That's
2: a great match. It's perfect.
0: With we, that, we have some breaking news here. Go ahead. Breaking news. By breaking
2: the way, one of the fans says you look like John Mink Minko from WFAM. <laughs> just oh, I just know saying. What that
0: is, but that's okay.
1: You don't know the Mink? What Jeez. go on. Want...
0: Greg <laughs> Valentine may have one more match in him. Really? Yes. Right here, exclusively on the Monty and the Fans. Just don't wrestle Flair. He's done. Greg Valentine is going to announce who he wants to fight. Right now, well, maybe Go Flair ahead, though.
3: Greg, the, floor, the floor is yours. Vince McMahon. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ric Flair. Yeah, yeah. redeem Flair. <laughs> he, wants, he wants to slap
0: the shit out of Rick Flair. Yeah. Wow. No, yep. I,
3: so, a long time ago, I broke Ric Flair's nose with Gene Anderson's cane, and I broke it for real. Mm. So, I want to break his nose again.
2: Nice. Well, I'd buy a ticket to see that. Uh, then I I okay. would all right. Without a doubt. It'd Thank be a you.
3: Lot better. Who, who's a the, lot better than have Jeff Jarrett again. Now, let me ask <laughs> exactly. you a question because you, exactly.
0: right, you guys are wrestling fans. Who Who's the better performer, Greg the Hammer Valentine or Ric Flair? Uh,
3: well, you're talking about performing now, believe We're talking
1: now past what? I know well, who I'd rather watch. He's sitting right go, there.
0: Let's go into primes.
2: Here's a perfect example because we were talking about Backlund. This this proves this it right here. Backlund and then Morales. To make a transition from one month to the next month and have a great match like he did, without a doubt, it's Greg Valentine. Greg Valentine is one of the greatest because he could work with every wrestler. Yeah. Let's not forget, he worked with Backlund
3: mm-hmm. and then
2: ends up working with Hogan. You right. can't end...
3: And Jay Strongbow, I mean, and Jay right. Strongbow, right? I mean, that's the exact opposite. Or right. or uh, JYD. That you know, was JYD. Yep. Absolutely. But yep. It's all about working around those people to bring them to you. But you know, there, there was still I I had some good matches. Uh, good people to work with so the greatest the, great,
1: the greatest villain of all time in my so, opinion and here's and a here,
2: change here's, here's you, my you question Greg. let's see if you knew this did you know that eric sims at one point was a professional wrestler what you
3: what yeah he did a gay gimmick didn't he a gay gimmick <laughs> what, no, what, no. what do you what, no, he, what? Told, he told me that today and i never realized
2: what, what do you know what his name was captain kosher Close. <laughs> uh, what was? You know, it? Do you
0: know what his name was? You
3: know, I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad that he told told me that because he knows how hard it is to get in a ring. Mm. He tried it, and and Oof. so that's why he respects it. Yeah. Well. What was
2: I knew
0: I wasn't tough. Enough. And what was your name there?
2: What was your the name? Jewish Ninja. The Jewish, the Jewish Ninja. Ninja. I wasn't that far off. Very good. I, I told wasn't you it that far off? I did
0: a With game.
2: that, thank you again, Mr. Valentine. Thank you, guys. What an oh, honor congrats. you joined the show. You, Farrow, you.
1: send us out. You've been Thank watching. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, folks. You've been watching Monty and the Pharaoh. And until next Thursday at 9 p.m., live from Indian Music TV, right here in Long Island, Rock, Later.